Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. Glad to be back with you, you know, it's episode 13. Uh, as always, before we get started, make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. And uh, there's a share button. Get the share link. Put that share thing. Share it on the Facebook. Share it on Twitter. Share it wherever you fucking share your shit. Guys, last week we talked about some scams. And I got to tell you, this week I was somebody tried to scam me. It was a friend. A lot of times it's a friend that will try to scam you. Uh, a lot of somebody close to you. This wasn't somebody that was really close to me. But they were... Um, a friend of an old roommate, and I will tell you the details of the scam are sex and gender sensitive. It's that guy. It was a it was a friend of mine, and he's a gay gentleman, and he tried to scam me into sending him pictures of my pee pee. That's what he tried to do. I'm not I'm not even kidding. I was it was I was working really late one night. I got home. I was hanging out with a friend until I was probably going to bed about five o'clock. And I got him. I was on Instagram, just on Instagram. And I guess it, uh, if you re- message with people often, and or message, so you reply to each other's stories. Which this gentleman is a guy that I do. Re- we reply to each other's stories. He's a nice guy. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, he guess I guess he saw I was active on online, and he just sent me a picture. And I look at it, and it's a picture of a woman's breasts, a lady. And I was like, well, this guy, and I gotta be careful when I say his name, this guy, uh, is, why would he have pictures of a lady's breasts? I know this guy. And, uh, you know, uh, he's my friend. I consider the guy a friend. And he, and he, and then I get another picture, picture of the lady's breasts again. So the same lady. And I said, hey, buddy, what's up with that? What do you, whose lady's breasts are these? And he goes, uh, it's just like a friend. And I was just sharing it with you. That's what he said. And I was like, creepy and not honestly fair to women you know to be sharing that i think that was you know gays and ladies are supposed to be on the same side of this i shouldn't have to be telling him what's going on so and i'm like i'm confused also not that kind of guy that's not my deal also immediately i'm kind of wise to the scam i think i know what's going on and he was like it's just like a lady i'm not telling you who it is and we're just trying to see what you got going on. And I was like, and I turned into like a lawyer. I was like, if you're asking me to send you pictures of myself, you got another thing coming, buddy. That's what I said. I said, you got another thing coming. I'd, uh, I was like, have you ever heard of Judas, Judas Priest? Lead singer, also a gay guy. So anyway, I uh, he's still my friend. I consider him a friend, but I just he, he, he was like trying to apologize. He's like, oh, I should have asked if this was okay first. And I was like, yeah, well. Hey, whatever. Also, you probably just got these pictures of a lady off the internet. You're trying to scam me for pictures of my penis. It's okay. I mean, it's not okay. It's it, what if what if you would have scammed me? What if I'd have been like an idiot, like oh, a a lady that you won't tell me who she is. Also, this gentleman, he's moved out of state. He doesn't even live locally anymore. So it might have been six in the morning where he was at. He might have been drunk on the internet. Who knows what's going on? You can't be drunk on the internet. I don't know that much. So. Anyway, that's a little scam I had to try to get run on me last week. A little scam run on me. Jesus Christ, dude. Uh, I don't know if I told you guys about this, but uh, I'm I'm getting paranoid about the... That, that's such a crazy thing that can only happen now. It, like, on the internet, is like your friends are hitting you up for, like, pictures of your penis. Like, I've been reading all these fucking science fiction books. I've never been, like, a reader in my life. And I've been, like, reading, like, a lot of science fiction books. And it's all these guys that wrote these in, like, the 50s and the 60s. But they're, like, predicting shit that's happening right now. Like, 
when I watch like all the people doing Zoom, like everything's like all the media stuff, like sports media, everything gets like talking heads on Zoom, people in their homes, like the way the UFC fights have like almost nobody in attendance except like the Kardashians are going or like a like some prince of Syria or some shit like that. It's just like I don't know. We're reading literature i think there's just like these guys kind of with a doom mindset looking at what the future it's like like all these guys were ted kaczynski writing just the unabomber writing these books and i'm just reading i'm like <laughs> i'm like indoctrinating myself it's like the catcher in the rye or whatever but uh i don't know reading these books dude i think i, I should probably read something a little more lighthearted. i don't know what's like a good read that's like good and, and fun but these science fiction books are goddamn interesting because they were so the authors were so like prolific and so like ahead of their time and predictive and what was really going to happen. And uh, and now to read it when everything's falling apart, it's weird, you know, <laughs> like I've been reading this book Fahrenheit 451 and it's about like uh, these they've. Uh, Oh, there's firefighters that just go around burning books. Like, firefighters don't put out fires. They start fires. They, like, burn down your house if you're, like, committing crimes or if you, like, have books and shit like that. So, like, information. They have, like, a monopoly on information. They've manipulated the the uh, history, and people can't read books to find out any any different. So, it's, like, uh, all information. Has, like, in, learning itself has been corrupted like by the the government and the media and everybody watches like one television show and they fucking i don't know dude it's just um jimmy fallon <laughs> i just i saw jimmy fallon dude like recently i've been seeing his clips and he's like the fucking guy from fahrenheit 451 he's like the guy with the one talk show that's like it's like a white girl doing tiktok dances is his guest now and she's like launching my debut single and she's like a TikTok dancer, and she's like uh, Britney Spears now. It's like that—the future of what of what we're gonna do. We're just gonna hook ourselves up to TikTok machines, and it's Jimmy Fallon, and then we're just gonna like you know watch UFC fights in our homes. I don't know the UFC fight; they are coming back. They're just sold out an arena. I don't know if I talked about that on the last podcast. The UFC 260 just happened. I think it's gonna be the last event that doesn't have a lot of fans. They're bringing, I think, the UFC 261, which is Usman and Masvidal, that's going to happen in Jacksonville in a sold-out crowd. Not only is it going to be sold out, like, it's not just sold out whatever their established capacity is. They broke the arena record for the the gate just with the pre-sale. They sold out. Like, these events, when they release the tickets, it, it, I think people from all over the country everywhere just like, I will travel across the world to go see a live event at this point because everybody's been shut down like if they can get there i think they're just gonna drop them drop that stimulus money people have been saving up they've been making bitcoin money they're just gonna they're gonna drop whatever just to, i don't know i mean good luck to you dude people they just released the bonnaroo tickets people are gonna go i've been to bonnaroo okay i got food poisoning from a chicken and waffle sandwich at bonnaroo did i shit on myself i did i did can that happen in COVID? It shouldn't. You shouldn't be able to stand in a lot like the lot at Bonnaroo when you tr travel. I mean, forget social distance. I mean, you're cramming people into a space. I mean, you're. I was one time at night traveling. You're crammed together. You have to like people hold giant signs with like pictures on it so you can see it and go, oh, those are my friends. That's how I can find them because you get separated 
just in crowds. It's like a stampede of people. I was in a crowd one night going through Bonnaroo, and there were guys next to me somewhere, and the guy was just going, oh, my God, oh, my God. And his friend goes, I know, shrooms. And they're just, like, crying out. They're, oh, my God, dude, I can't even. And they're just over and over, oh, my God, they're just calling out because they're overwhelmed on drugs. Like, that's the environment that it is. It's a, you can't you can't do that with COVID. And no one's going to wear a mask, I'll tell you that much. And it's not going to make a difference if you do, dude. Because COVID's going to be coming out of every pore of your body. If you have it at Bonnaroo, it's going to sweep through Bonnaroo like a fucking, like a hurricane. I I mean, I thought about going. <laughs> I won't lie to you about it. The lineup looks pretty good. I, there's not, I would only go for one day. Man, I hope that it gets like real dystopian and you have an option to like, take some kind of track above the everybody else you know like if they can offer the rich people just like safety and separation from i mean it's really i think truly going to turn into like the hordes uh and it kind of already was like this because people were in press boxes or there but people are done being on the court side i think unless it's just like i don't know dude other celebrities i think it's it's this is me reading the science fiction books but i think it's gonna be it's like hordes of people fucking you know, beating the shit out of each other, eating mutton and drinking hot wine, and then people sitting up on their, on the, I don't know what you call them. I, I haven't seen a Knight's Tale in a while, so I don't know the vocabulary. But UFC 260, I think I got off track a little bit. Bonnaroo, I'm not going, but enjoy it if you are going to go. Enjoy the hot lineups. I don't think it's for me. It never really was for me anyway, but it, I mean, I, I'm kind of, I'll let it, it's just like the vaccine. I don't know if I'm going to jump right in on that either, but I'm going to let the, I'm also not going to jump right into Bonnaroo. I think I'm going to hold right in the middle. I'm not like extreme on either one of those things. And also mentioning just those things in the first, you know, 15 minutes of the episode, probably going to get demonetized. We're making, hey, we make a lot of money on this podcast. We're going to get demonetized for saying that. And then I think, um, we might get hidden by the algorithm, and that's my excuse. That's what I'm gonna say. But UFC 260, uh, it was it was a hot pay per view. Francis Ngannou knocked out Stipe Miocic in the first in the second round. Excuse me. And he, uh, I mean, if you want to hear expert MMA reviews, you can go anywhere else on the internet and hear that. Probably on the same website or area platform you're listening to this. But I will say that Francis Ngannou is a scary, scary man. He's one of the scariest. MMA fighter seeing him in there against Stipe was kind of like you didn't believe they should have been in there fighting each other. Stipe looked like real small compared to him, and he didn't look very poised. Like Francis looked so much more calm and so much more put together, and he was, I don't know, from the start of the fight watching it, it was kind of hard to believe that he was going to lose. And now going forward, I mean, he's going to beat everybody probably. I mean, is Sirogan is not going to beat Francis Ngannou. Volkov, I bet Alexander Volkov probably has the best chance to beat Francis because he's so long and he's so big, and he's looking huge these days. And these guys, everybody in the heavyweight division, I think, is going to start getting title shots. It's going to be like when John Jones was the champ. Like, John Jones got so many uh, title defenses because there were so few, like, like, at the tops of these divisions lately, in the tops of the welterweight, lightweight divisions, there are so many contenders that deserve a title shot. And traditionally, they would be champions, like in, in, in other eras of the UFC. 
But now, like, these contenders have to fight each other, and the champs are, like, sit on the shelf, and all these fights are tough, so champions are kind of selective on who they're going to fight. And I think that Francis Ngannou is not going to have to be that way. Because the heavyweight division isn't, like, that stacked with guys that we don't know what's going to happen because Francis has already beaten everyone in the heavyweight division. I mean, there are guys that have been cut, Junior DeSantos, uh, you know, Alistair Overeem. There are a lot of guys that are no longer in the division because of that that are not going to have hopes of fighting for the title. Because Like, Curtis Blades is going to have a hard time getting a title shot because Francis has knocked him out twice. Uh, you know, Francis has beaten a lot of these guys on the way to the top. Derek Lewis is going to get a title shot. I think, you know, the fight everybody wants is John Jones, Francis. But John is, like, negotiating. This is a real tweet he put out. He he puts out a lot of tweets and deletes them. I don't know if John Jones knows how to use the Internet, really. If you're a successful guy that knows how to, like, strangle people to death for a living and you have millions of dollars, you probably don't care to observe how to use Twitter. <laughs> but he uh, he straight up was just was like, I don't think 8 or $10 million is enough for the fight. That's what he said. I don't think 8 or 10 is enough. Imagine putting that out, out online at your job. You're like, look, I'm going to go out there. I mean, he is going to fight the scariest-looking guy ever. And look, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve 8 or $10 million, but people tra- look, Dana White, this is what I'm really trying to say. Dana White is the guy that makes the decision on that, and he traditionally hates really hates when people negotiate in front of the world, like in front of the media on a world stage. He doesn't want to do his negotiations for money like that. If you want to talk about like that kind of stuff, he's a lot of fighters will say he's reasonable if you just do it behind closed doors. And maybe John Jones has tried to do that and it's not working out. And I'm not even going to try to criticize how he's trying to do his business, even if he's doing it on the media, even though I just kind of offer a little bit of criticism, you know, I'm being a little bit of a, a hypocrite over here. But I think he would have had a he would have a lot better chance getting that done if he didn't like blow it up on Twitter, and that kind of says to a lot of people maybe he doesn't want maybe he it's not that he's afraid of fighting Francis Ngannou but maybe he just really doesn't care if he gets the fight or not. Like a lot of fighters will say that later in their career. Like Floyd Mayweather, there's a famous interview with Brian Kenny where he goes, you know, I don't I don't fight for bragging rights. I don't have anything left to prove. I've proven who I am. And he's just fight. He's a prize fighter now. Like he, but without just finishing that sentence, coming out and going, I'm fighting for huge paydays. I mean, that's essentially what these fighters will start doing. They're like, I don't have to fight for bragging rights. I am who I am, and I can sympathize with that because there's a lot of people. If they don't do that job, they have no idea what it's like. You have no idea. So, like, if imagine being a a world champion on the stage that John Jones is, the nobody in MMA has been. He's got the most title defenses. He's, you know, he's had the most UFC title fights of anybody, and they're all successful. All of them have been successful. Some of them have been debatable. (laughs) Some of the recent ones, you know, I think a lot of people think he lost to Dominic Reyes. A lot of people think he lost to Alexander Gustafson. Uh, You know, there was... uh, and and then there's also the controversy stuff, the the criminal stuff, the DUI stuff, the drug stuff, the uh, the steroid stuff. So, but he's still the. I still think he's the greatest. I still think he's great, even after you know. I'm not an expert MMA analyst. I'm just a guy that's trying to figure out how to talk on the internet. That's really all I am. It's episode 13. Look at the numbers on the episode. 
If John Jones, who knows how John Jones used the internet? He could find this. He shows up at my house like Jay and Silent Bob at the end of that movie to kick my ass. He like he has a laptop. He plays me the video of me, like an editing down thing. And then I'm not trying to talk shit to the criticizing him. And then he slams my fa- he murders me with the laptop. He has his dog. He has a dog that he just has all the time named Dutch that he would just he would just eat my neck, just tear my throat out. I just see John Jones as I die. That'd be great. Wouldn't that be great? Anyway. So is John Jones going to fight Francis Ngannou in in Ngannou's next fight? I don't think so. I think Francis will fight Derek Lewis next, and I think he'll fight him soon, in the summer sometime. And they'll try to build for a John Jones fight. They'll try to negotiate. And who knows if they'll give him... I don't know how this stuff works, like if he's going to make like $8 million to show. Because normally you would make double the money for a win in the UFC. You you would make like... If he wants $10 million, for the fight, he would make five million to show and five million to to win, and then uh, he could make pay per view points off the back end. So if they sell a shit ton of fights, he can make a shit ton of money extra on the back end of it. So, you know, that's probably something. If he wants a huge, huge payday, he's gonna have to get like the eight million, ten million at the beginning, and then you know who knows how much Conor McGregor. I don't know how much Conor McGregor's making for a fight if he's making like twenty million. Oh, here comes the dog. Here we go. Oh, we're doing the podcast with the dog. I know, I'm blocking you in. I'm so sorry. This is Opal. I don't know if you can see her on the screen. Jesus, goddamn Christ. I'm trying to do it. I'm trying. Anyway, John Jones is probably going to fight Francis Ngannou. We can only hope. And uh, hopefully he makes Conor McGregor type of money. Because you know guys like Conor and Khabib, they were probably making well over $10 million for their last fights. They had to have been. And John Jones has got to be that big of a guy. That's why it just surprises me that he's been handling the negotiations the way he has been. It's kind of just, I know nothing about that. And I base everything I know off of, like, this is what everybody else is saying in the media that knows fighting, like former fighters that turn media, former referees turn media, people that have been involved for a long time. So, guys, I guess that's third-hand perspective I'm offering you. But, uh... But I don't know. It's just I. It's one of those fights. Just as a fan, at the bottom of all that, you just hope it gets done. Because what a shame it would be to live in a world where it's like he, John Jones vacated the light heavyweight title. You know, he vacated the title. Was that all to put himself in some like Antonio Brown style position to get himself cut so he doesn't have to fight anymore while still holding on to his dignity? I don't know if he's if he's thinking about it like that. I think he still wants to fight. I think he wants to. He's been lifting weights and putting on also, but he's looking like he's training for the apocalypse. So I don't know what's going on. I don't know what he's training a dog. He's shooting. A, he's wears night vision goggles in the grocery store. I don't know what John Jones is doing. You know, I don't know. But we can only hope that he gets a, a fight against Francis Ngannou. We got to have that. And then if Francis went, think of it, if Francis beats Derek Lewis and then he beats John Jones, what is what, what, Francis Ngannou is definitely the baddest UFC fighter to ever exist. If he beats those, he's the baddest man that's ever lived. I mean, he's because ba- even like a boxer, a boxer is a great puncher, but like against a a, a a mixed martial artist, a boxer is not the you get like Francis stuff takedowns against Sipe. He took him down. He you know got him in like a seatbelt. He's like punching him in the face. He like and he beat the fucking shit out of him, knocked him out cold. So it's the baddest man that's ever, maybe ever lived, you know? You can put him, drop him into any time period in hand-to-hand combat. He could probably beat any man ever, you know? It's it's pretty crazy. We're seeing that shit. We got to see him fight John Jones. We got to see it. 
I don't know, man, but that pay-per-view is pretty hot. I, I think uh, O'Malley, oh, Sean O'Malley just fought. He beat that guy, Thomas Almeida. Unfortunately, Thomas Almeida's on like a five-fight losing streak. He was undefeated. He was like 21 or 22-0, and 0, and then he lost four fights in a row, and then he fought O'Malley. He's like, I think he's in a little bit of trouble. He's probably going to get cut from the UFC. But now O'Malley's in a position where he's going to be fighting top 10 talent. I think he's got to. And a lot of people are trying to push a fight for Dominic Cruz. I think Dominic Cruz is the best fight. For I mean, this dog is... Look at you. I mean, you don't know that what entertainment is? You don't know that I'm doing a show? The dog. I think Dominic Cruz is... Uh, he's beefing with that guy Hans Molenkamp for Monster Energy Drink right now. Like, that's the... That's what... He's all the, I don't know, and he's not calling guys out because he's a former champion. And and uh, the media, he's done some interviews, and they're trying to put him in a position where they're like, are you going to fight Sean O'Malley? Did you call him out? I guess Chael Sonnen has, like, uh, has lied. <laughs> Chael Sonnen straight up just lied that, that Dominic Cruz said he wanted to fight Sean O'Malley. And, and Dominic Cruz came out and said, Chael Sonnen now has a jiu-jitsu, a combat jiu-jitsu promotion, and he wanted Dominic Cruz to fight Sean O'Malley in that promotion. And Dominic Cruz was like, ah, whatever. And that, and now Chael Sonnen's just going around saying that Sean, that, that, that's the fight that, that Dominic Cruz wants. And, and so I guess Chael Sonnen has bought ad space at the top of Google. So when you search all this stuff, it's putting you to Chael Sonnen's jiu-jitsu promotion to, pr to promote his, his uh, events on UFC Fight Pass. So... There's a little bit of shrewd marketing on Chael Sonnen's part, and it kind of is like a tasty enough thing. And honestly, that's probably the fight. The UFC, that's such a good matchup. You could see that being the co-main event or the fight under the co-main event on the Conor McGregor-Dustin Poirier card because Dustin Poirier-Conor McGregor 3 was just announced. I think it's going to be on July 10th. And uh, also, we just got announced for the light heavyweight title. It's going to be Michael Chandler versus Charles Oliveira. It's weird that Dustin's getting passed over for that, but he's taking the Connor fight, taking the big money fight. So I think that's going to be really interesting. Also, we got Nate Diaz is going to fight Leon Edwards as the co-main event on the Chandler Oliveira card, which Nate Diaz, Leon Edwards kind of comes out of nowhere. But again, it's like Leon Edwards fighting an unranked guy that is like a 155er kind of. So I don't really know. I mean, what does that prove about Leon Edwards? I mean, we already know he's a really good fighter. If he loses to Nate Diaz, though, Nate Diaz could end up fighting for the title off of that fight. I mean, he's going to be, if he beats the number three guy in the world, it's just kind of weird how that fight, it's a fun fight. Definitely like Leon Edwards, Nate Diaz, it's fun. Like whatever. Like, it's fun to see Nate Diaz fight. But it's weird how it sets up the welterweight division. Because Leon Edwards and Masvidal is a fight that everybody wants to see. But Masvidal is going to fight for the title. If he loses to Usman, Edwards isn't going to want to fight Masvidal because he wants to win the title. So, like, the only hope we have of Leon Edwards versus Masvidal is if Masvidal wins the title. And if Masvidal wins the title, that's for sure. I don't know because then you have Colby Covington who that matchup with Masvidal is probably bigger. More people are probably excited about the Masvidal Colby Covington fight than the Leon Edwards, even the three-piece in the soda thing. Man, now that I'm talking about it, makes a lot of sense if Masvidal wins the title, huh? I bet the UFC is really hoping that Masvidal is it. But Usman is such a dominant champion, he would probably, is he going to get an immediate trilogy fight with Masvidal? Probably not. 
it's just weird how these there's so many good fights in the welterweight division right now, and you're not going to get all of them. You know, you really want Colby Covington versus Leon Edwards, Masvidal versus Leon Edwards. You want Masvidal versus Colby Covington. You want the rematch of Usman and Covington. You want you you want all these fights. But if one person has to lose the title, and then like if Usman's not the champion, Covington versus Usman, maybe that one could happen again. But some of these guys, like Usman, is probably not that far from retirement. Masvidal's not that far from retirement. The, the you know Col- Covington and Edwards will probably fight for sure because they're both like younger guys. I think they have a lot of time left in their career. But seeing all these different fights, dude, I just don't know if it's going to match up. The, the Nate Diaz thing kind of really throws a wrench in the organization of like the fights for the because it could have been like just Leon Edwards is waiting a while. Or Covington, you know, Covington, Leon Edwards was the fight. That's the fight that should have been made. And I can't believe they didn't get that one done. You know, because that one would have been, it would have set it up perfectly for the winner of Covington Edwards gets the winner of Usman Masvidal. And the loser of Covington Edwards gets a loser of of, of uh, Masvidal Usman. That would have been perfect, you know. Because then you could, those combinations, all those fights, because uh, even Edwards and Usman, is a rematch of uh, from six years ago when they were much different fighters. So these are all all four of those guys fighting each other or fights we want. The Nate Diaz thing kind of fucks that up. Is that my hot take for the episode? My hottest take of all this? Not that I was scammed by a gay friend, but that I was. I was saying that Nate Diaz versus Leon Edwards fucks up the welterweight division in the UFC. I'll take that. Write about that. Somebody write about that. Write about that on your fucking website, Ariel Hawani. I don't know, but the, the the thing about the 155 fight, Chandler versus Oliveira, where does that leave Justin Gagey? I mean, Justin Gagey, you know, Tony Ferguson's going to fight Benil Dariush. Dariush is kind of up and coming, but he's not like a young guy either. If he beats Tony Ferguson, Tony Ferguson, I don't think he'll ever get cut from the UFC. He might, I don't know. Dana White is seeming more and more comfortable with sending like former stars with names that, that sell pay-per-views, that sell tickets. He's, like, cutting them before they're going to be done fighting, and they're going to go fight at other promotions. And I think that Bellator and and one championship, they're going to be able to sell a lot more fights, sell a lot more pay-per-views, and get themselves more in the zeitgeist of MMA. It's going to spread out MMA more that he's cutting these guys with names. So if he cuts Tony Ferguson, people will pay to see Tony Ferguson fight these guys in other organizations until he maybe loses once, and then they'll, they'll be done. So maybe that's what Dana White knows. That it may be, maybe the billionaire guy that built MMA knows a little bit more about it than I do. <laughs> maybe he does. But the the, the 155 fight, you kind of really wish you would have got to see Charles Oliveira versus Khabib because he's so, Oliveira's been deserving of a title shot for a while, and especially the way he, he beat Kevin Lee. You know, he stood up with him, and then he tapped him out. Then he, you know, he stood with... Tony Ferguson, and I mean, he beat the fuck out of Tony Ferguson. You really wish, uh, you you really wish you got a, the chance to see. Hey, bro, she's outside. <laughs> um, you kind of wish that you got to see Oliveira versus Khabib. It's probably never gonna happen. I mean, unless he comes out and puts some crazy performance on Michael Chandler. I, and then Gagey, I mean, where's Gagey falling all this? Like, he's not going to fight Tony again if Tony beats Darius because he, he beat the shit out of Tony the first time. So Gagey 
fights the winner of Chandler and Oliveira? Does Gagey have to get some win versus Connor or like the winner of Dustin and Connor? Like what's going to happen with with Gagey? I don't know how all these guys fit into it, but uh, I do know that the dog wants to get on the mic. Obviously, that's what's going on. I think that uh, the 155 division, it's, it, all these divisions, when they get really, really hot, they, they 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 have a potential to burn out at some point. Like, they'll, they'll get really, really hot, and then all this talent will get old at the same time, start beating each other up. You'll miss out on a couple of the matchups, and then it'll the division's just going to be cold. It's going to be guys you don't know anybody's name. And sure, there will be guys that are talented, but they don't have the profile because they haven't been able to be built up for a while. So, like, the welterweight division eventually will start to look cold. 155. Middleweight, I think, is just it got enough names and not, you know, at the same time. And that's like the middleweight, 185. That's like a lot of guys of that size in the world. So, I think you'll still get guys at that. But, you know, the weight divisions that are hot right now, which weren't before, are the, the, the smaller guys. 135 is hot. And you're probably going to keep finding guys all over the world that can do that because... I think that size of person also that size of person it breeds like uh, athletes at that size can like adapt faster to what the sport is. You know, like guys that are smaller, super athletic, like muscle bound, high metabolism dudes. Like if you weigh 135 pounds, you know, I think you can adapt to martial arts quicker. Then you know, guys that are heavyweight size people, they have options to play basketball. They could play football, like these sports where they can make infinitely more money. So I think, I think uh, you know the the divisions with the smaller guys are the divisions are going to be hotter for the longest. And I think going into the future, definitely you know like Figueredo and and uh, I can't remember the other guy's name right now. They just had that really hot fight. The, he's a Mexican gentleman. They had a uh, a fight that went to a draw, and they're going to fight again, and it's going to be a huge fight. I mean, people are Alex Moreno. That was his name. Thank you, <laughs> but. Uh, I don't know, man. The 155-pound division, it's kind of weird. Again, this Connor dustin rematch is kind of throwing a wrench into the point, which is like titles. You know, I mean, it's money, I guess, for these guys, but it's titles for sure. I mean, that's what the fans want to find out is who is, like, the best, who's going to be the real champion. And right now in, in 155, we just don't have, like, a real picture of who the best is after Khabib has, has left. And and uh, speaking of Khabib, if he's looking for some kind of big challenge to come back to and he's saying that's the only way he's going to fight again, I would love to see him fight Usman. It would be so cool to see, like, Khabib is not a small guy. He's, like, probably over 200 pounds right now. And he could fight above, he could fight in the 170-pound uh, division easy. And I think a super fight versus Khabib and Usman is probably the best fight that we could see i mean these two guys they have such identical styles in the wrestling like the pressure maybe not like identical styles in the wrestling but with the the kind of pressure fighters they are and how they don't back up and they don't get tired khabib honestly gets a lot more tired in a fight than usman does so that's a the the size maybe that's something that that usman has that could be the size and the endurance that's something you know Jesus Christ, I'm just trying to do it. I'm just trying to... How do we keep doing a podcast? You know, that's how we keep doing it. We're trying to get to the time limit. If you turn it off, it's understandable. I get it. Anyway, folks, that's probably enough fight talk for one podcast. Um, 
I don't know if I talked about this on the last episode, but I adopted a cat recently. I don't, I don't know if that's big news. That's my big adult news lately is that I've adopted a cat. I'm not in a relationship anymore, and I've adopted a cat. Th- things are going good. So <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I did just, like, get the cat. I was thinking, honestly, I was thinking about getting an animal out of desperation of loneliness. I was thinking about doing that, but one kind of came t- uh, to me. I was outside one day. I, w- I got a pizza. I was coming inside. There was a cat outside. It was like 2 in the morning. I also live in an area. There's like a, hundreds of coyotes that live behind my house. So I didn't want to leave the cat outside. And But I was, like, it was nice. It was like I it wouldn't, wouldn't be scared off. It was like running between my legs and like being a nice cat or whatever. It obviously wasn't a feral cat. So it kind of followed me into the house and just went in my house. And I was like, all right, whatever. I'll, I'll, this is a, maybe I'll keep the cat safe. Um, just for tonight, we'll we'll figure it out. You know, it probably belongs to a neighbor. It's a nice cat. We'll figure it out. And overnight, the cat didn't like being trapped in my room. Didn't like being trapped. So in the morning, I just set it free. I let it go. Maybe I was like, maybe it'll go home. Maybe it'll go back where it belongs. The next night, it shows up. Somebody else that lives here is getting a pizza. I don't know if there's a coincidence with that, but the the cat shows back up. I we let the cat in. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna keep this cat. I guess. And I stay up with the cat in the living room. I don't lock it in my room this time overnight because I don't want it. It's like maybe it's like a free range cat. Maybe it's used to being outside. I don't want it to feel trapped. We're in the bigger areas. It doesn't seem as is like anxious about being trapped in the house if it's in the big area. I fell asleep on the couch. Uh, somebody that lives here was smoking a cigarette. They weren't. We we didn't communicate about the cat before I went to sleep. They left the door open. And I think the cat got back outside, went back outside. So I wake up in the morning expecting there to be a cat. And there's no cat. I'm looking around. But everybody's asleep. That's what it was tough about it. When I woke up, everyone was asleep. I'm not going to wake everybody up asking about what happened. I was like, oh, I, I'm looking around. I'm like, there is kind of an area under some stairs by my laundry room that's a little creepy. And I was like, hopefully he didn't get in there. Maybe the cat is hiding somewhere or dead, you know, in the house. I was a little worried about that. Uh so, but then I spent a couple of days just like then waiting for, I was hoping the cat might come back or whatever. Cause I was kind of like getting committed to the idea of, of having one. I was going to go buy a litter box. I was going to buy things. I was going to have a pet, you know, and this cat, it was, it was nice. You couldn't ask for a better one. than the one just showed up at my house. And the next night, the very next night, it would have been the third night. The cat would have come back in a row. The, it rained like torrential downpour, like hurricane, tornado style rain. Like it was crazy. And uh, the cat didn't come back, didn't come back the next night, didn't come back the next night. I was like, oh, cat's done. Cat's probably dead. It's gone at least, you know, or somebody brought it back. I was hoping that somebody was like, oh, they knew it was going to rain. They Maybe it's a cat they let out at night because it likes to be outside and they just don't really care about it, you know. So I was like, maybe, maybe they brought it inside because of the rain. It's just not come back around. So after about, you know, three, four days, the cat didn't come back. I just went to a place. I adopted my own cat, got my own cat. This cat was a little timid, a little scared. It's a kitten, too. It's like it's like eight, seven months old. So it's, it's a little bit different, but I like this one a lot. And the very next night that I got the cat, the new cat, old cat comes back. I didn't – I had told one roommate about the cat that I have now, the other roommate. Did not tell him about the cat. So he one night he just knocks on my door. He's like, "Hey man, come out here. Check this out." I come out. He is and he's like surprising me. I thought I thought maybe something was wrong because I I was like, "Oh, I'll come out and talk about it." I guess can't talk about it through the door. I guess we'll come out. And so I come out and it was the cat 
the old cat, the black cat. And I was like, oh, dude, no good. I already got another cat. And he's like, what? What's going on? I was like, yeah, dude, we we, I, we talked about it. It was cool to have a cat to get a cat. So I was like, oh, since it would have been cool to have one, I just went and got a different one that wasn't this one. And I was like, well, I don't think I can do two cats. I don't think I can handle that. Um, but I was like, you know what? This other cat, the new cat I adopted. i got to watch my antecedents with which cat I'm talking about. The new cat, Tux. I'll just tell give the names. Tux and Black Cat. The new cat, Tux. It came from brothers and sisters and stuff at the Nashville Cat Rescue. And it was the last of its brothers and sisters to be adopted. Not only was it the last of the brothers and sisters to be adopted, it was the last cat at that time in the cat shelter. So it was used to being around other cats and brothers and sisters, and then it was left, it was the only one. And it was like sweet, it was cute, it's tuxedo, black and white cat. I was like, well, I gotta get it, I gotta adopt this cat. So when I find out about this black cat, I find out, again, it's a nice cat normally, and I was like, uh, maybe I'll introduce it to this cat, just to like let him see what's up, you know? Just like let them meet each other. So I brought the black cat in my room. Immediately, it's like my cat, Tux, it, when it hears the doors open and close, it hides behind the bed. And then you got to like go get her, let her know it's you. Let her see you from behind the bed and she'll come out. So I let the black cat in my room. It's looking around. It's like, oh, you got a litter box now. You got food and there's a cat. What's up? All this stuff. It's like checking shit out. I go get my cat. It sees me and I go, yo, check this. I point. I get my cat. And I point, I go, look it over there. And it sees the black cat. And so it starts like, it doesn't get scared and run away. It starts like stalking, trying to see what's up. Because I think it's curious. I think it wants to be friends with this cat. The black cat turns around, sees my cat, goes crazy. Its hair stands up. It chases her around the room. They're bouncing off stuff, flying. Gets her trapped in her spot where she hides behind the bed. It's like screaming at her, you know, yelling at her. I grabbed the black cat. I was nervous I was going to get scratched, but I was I also had to protect the new cat, the one that I adopted. I couldn't let some street cat come in and d- destroy it. So I grabbed the black cat. Thankfully, it didn't scratch me. I think it knew that we were cool. I thought maybe maybe it was scared too. Maybe it didn't know what was going on. So I take it. I'm like throwing it out of my room, and I'm just going to get it down the stairs and get it out of the house. I'm like, all right, don't want the black cat. Right at that moment, when I throw it out of my room, my roommate's dog busts out of his room. At the, that time, he's letting the dog out. Sees the cat. Starts barking and chases it down the stairs. And now the black cat's lost in the house. Didn't know where the black cat was at. My And then I left my bedroom door open. For the first time, I had not left the door open without paying attention. And I went down. I'm chasing the dog and the other cat. And I'm like worried. I'm like, oh, now my cat's probably going to get out and run somewhere in the house. I'm going to lose it too. I end up finding the black cat. It's just in front of the couch. I grab it. I throw it outside. Go back upstairs. Can't find my cat anywhere. Can't find the new cat behind the bed, in the closet, anywhere. I'm tearing apart the room. It ends up, it's like up in the windowsill behind curtains. Poor cat. And so that's really the only trust issues we've had so far. And she likes me. She likes me before that, and she still likes me now. Uh, She's still getting used to it. She likes hiding a lot. And having a cat is fucking weird. It is like a weird thing, like having this. Because now it's like not new anymore. And I'm starting to just kind of like, it's like normal. I'm like kind of forgetting like sometimes she'll like sneak up on me or like I'm like before I was always paying attention to like where it was like what's going on where are you you know watching all the time now I'll like lean backwards on my bed I'll like lay on top of it on accident so that's kind of where pet ownership's going on with me right now and guys you know I want to thank you for coming back to the podcast I think that's all we're going to do for today
Um, as always, you know, make sure you subscribe to this thing if you don't already subscribe to it. And hey, I don't know if it's worth you doing anything with it right now. It's episode 13 and we're just learning how to do it again. We're getting back on pace. I've had to make more edits in this episode than I would like to. We got, uh, you know, we had a guest with the dog. We had a lot of stuff going on. Hopefully we see a lot of cool UFC fights coming up. Please share this and, and tell somebody if you like it. And hopefully you did like it. If you didn't like it, don't tell anybody. And we just won't, we won't, we will just do better next time. So thanks again, folks, for coming out. This is My Room with David Chastine. Come back, see us next time. Thanks.